you. You're very kind. And it's Jesus that deserves all the honour. And um, I've been doing really well for a couple of weeks. I don't think I've sobbed until this morning. And Chris Vallotton on the radio, and that was just like... <laughs> Chris, stop it. You're making me cry. Well, he was crying, and it just set me off. But anyway, and then you're undone in the worship, and... Don't go there right now. <clears throat> wow. What can I say? There is so much more. And if I do break down as I'm crying, just, you know, just you can handle it, can't you? You can handle it because I'm like this. What I want is presence. And those, did we sing three songs or two songs? I don't know, just, just in the second part. Hi, hi, hi. Kind of summed up in many ways the sort of message I'm bringing today. Um, and if I'm not used to a crying preacher, well, hey, pleased to meet you. <laughs> Robin used to call me the, the weeping prophet. Um, anyway, bless God. And Jeremiah, I love that book, is just so cool. So, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're very real. <laughs> and you're just burgeoning with stuff. You've got so much power, Holy Spirit. Everything we need. And you are so patient. You are waiting in the wings. The wings of our souls. And you're ready for us when we call. And so we thank you. And angels of God, we just delight that uh, your beings are attending to the church and ministering. You go ahead of us. You protect us. You fight our battles. And we rejoice in the invisible realm that um, we rarely get to see into. But we thank you that it's there and it's operating and is more real than our natural world. And so right now, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to take the words of my mouth, the thoughts of my mind. Let them be heaven's thoughts, heaven's words. And Lord, on behalf of us all, we just say, we are here, Lord. We open our hearts afresh. We want you, Lord. We're asking you to speak. Would you take your highlighter pen today, Lord, and just highlight those things you are talking to us about, that when we leave this place, they will be... Um, prominent in our hearts and minds to pay attention to. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, bless God. Um, I like continuity, and so I listen to Mark's uh, preach, and uh, I want that to be a continuing. So last week, who was here last week? That was a few of you, that's good. I'm glad Mark was. I'd be worried if he said he wasn't, because I saw him. He was. So, picking up from last week, Mark was at pains to show us that we're on a messy mission. Snotty mission, too. And what we're aiming for isn't going to be something ordained by man. It won't be led by human strategy alone. The Lord will build his church. And he'll do it his way. You know, we want a spirit-led church, and it's not going to be through nice, neat plans, as Mark said. 
It will be accomplished by a church who takes risks, and it might get scary. Do you know what? I, as ever since being a child, I had to hold back tears. <laughs> it's just the way I'm made. Um, and I held it back and held it back and held it back <clears throat> until God broke me. And then it comes flooding out and flooding out and flooding out. But we are all emotional beings. And for me, when that breaking came, there came so much more. I'm not saying we all have to be like me and sob. It's just the way I am. And I'm sorry, but I am. It keeps Kleenex in business anyway. Um, And so it has been an embarrassing journey for me. It's been uncomfortable, but I've just had to realize I'm a citizen of the kingdom, not of British culture, not of the NHS where I work, not of whatever it might be. I'm first and foremost a kingdom person, and so are you, if you have taken Jesus into your life. So this morning I want to start by looking at the clock, and now I look away and think, help, Father. I'm going to remind us of a prophetic picture that was brought. And I reminded you, actually, the last time I was up here. So it's that strong an impression that's left on me. I felt it's appropriate to remind you again. So I'm going to remind you of that picture that Steve Blacker brought amongst us. Now then, who was here on the morning Steve and Lynn were here? Hands held high so I can see. It's a few of you. So hands up those who weren't. There was a few of you. I think some people haven't put their hands up. But anyway, half and half perhaps. Now, I encourage people to go back and listen to what Steve shared because it was very good. And also the word. And I'm just going to give you the privilege of hearing what it was that he said, out of my words, the picture that he had that he summed up what he felt the word was towards us. And I'm not sorry for repeating it. He said, he asked the Holy Spirit, well, Show me something for City Church. This was part of his journey of learning, the things he'd been trained in at Bethel over in California. And I'll wear these glasses. It's silly having them on your head and not using them. Now I can see the words on the page. He said he saw a picture, a great big cauldron, and it's full of delicious food, yummy things, and oh, it was yum. And it represented us, the gifts, the talents, the abilities that we all have. And around the outside were leaders and others amongst us who were stirring the pot. But it was really hard work to stir the cauldron. I'm thinking, well, what's going on here? And it was, there was this desire to awaken something bigger and, and more mighty and what God wants to do. But there was something that was making it hard. And the thing was, the message was, it simply needed more water. Ah, simple answer. Of course, if you're not sure what that means, it means more Holy Spirit, which is what I'm going to entitle this morning's message. And so I need to call upon Jordan at this point, because Jordan has been willing to help me this morning, and he's going to do a little job for me. Um, So if you take this, and you know what to do, go fill it up. You might want to put the door on. Prop it open with a, with a chair so it doesn't keep banging shut for you. He's going to help me. And it's not rocket science to think what it might be that he's going to do. Anyway, that will unfold. 
Have you ever been thirsty? Just a few of you. Okay. Have you ever been really, really thirsty? Yeah? Anybody got some testimonies of a time when they were really desperately, almost medically, so thirsty that it could have been touch and go? Do you want to share that? Uh, I was when I was very, very pregnant. I couldn't see anything down. Oh, right. So that was serious. Yeah, that was serious. And you, you were desperately thirsty and you wanted fluids, but you just couldn't keep them. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so you've been thirsty. You're in good company. Let's look at Psalm 42 if you want to look it up on your apps or whatever. Um, <laughs> It doesn't have to be quite so full. I'll be mopping up later. That's great. Straight in there. That's fabulous. Fantastic. I think we need to do another one. Keep going. That's fantastic. Okay. So, Psalm 42, the beginning thereof. David, I think, wrote and said, As the deer pants for water brooks, so my soul pants for you. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? There was a thirst within him. Or jump into Psalm 63, a few psalms along. I'm not sure where the verse is. I think it might be towards the beginning. I'm sorry, I haven't written down. But it's, oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. He wants to give up sleep to find God. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there's no water. We're blessed in this country. We get so much rain. (laughs) You might think it's a curse. Keep going. That's good. Um, But those Mediterranean countries, it can get very dry. This time of year, everything's brown and dried up. And it looks dry and dusty. And just, is there any, any water or green anywhere? So David is a man who's desperate, isn't he? You get that picture? Now, sometimes you have to get thirsty before your thirst can truly be quenched. Sometimes you have to get hungry before you appreciate being fed. Sometimes things don't happen because we just aren't desperate enough. We aren't hungry enough. We aren't yearning enough in our spirit man. And then when we find, whoa, fantastic. I think we'll leave it there. That's great. Brilliant. Give him a clap. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks for serving me. How refreshing it is when you find water, when you are thirsty, and you glug it down and glug it down and glug it down. I remember as a kid, I used to just reach for the tap. In fact, what I used to do was climb up on a chair and put my head under the tap. I used to have a, a cup that used to be beside the tap. It always used to be there. That was me. And all I drank was water. I just drank water, 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 water. Um, I just loved water. And where we lived, the water tasted good. Um, but this is all symbolism, isn't it? God has a plan for the dry places. He really does. So what does it look like? Okay. Isaiah. Chapter 35. Some of you may know this chapter. It's wonderful. So I'm going to read it out. I'm going to talk us through. So shout if you found Isaiah 35. Thank you. Two of you have Bibles today. I'm so pleased. 
We need to do sword practice, you know. Used to do that in Bible school. Well, I didn't, but others. Andrew's disappeared. She probably did sword practice in Bible school. Have to find verses out of Scripture. It's the first to get it, got the prize. Okay, verses 1 to 7. The wilderness and the wasteland, or desert, shall be glad for them. Don't worry about the grammar. Sometimes in Scripture you need to do a bit of scratching of your head. But anyway. And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. Now, Lebanon speaks of excellence and beauty and the best. Okay, so the best is going to be given to the desert. The excellence of Carmel and Sharon. And Carmel was one of the most fertile places. It was verdant with vegetables and all sorts of things you could grow. And Sharon. They shall seek the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. These are the people who are out there in the desert. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, don't be afraid. God's going to come and save you. Wonderful. That's Stu's paraphrase. Verse five. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened. Praise God. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Rings a few bells about something we speak at the end of our gatherings. The tongue of the dumb sing for waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water in the habitation of jackals. There'll be grass and reeds and rushes. That's a beautiful picture. I love it. It's fabulous. And it mixes the metaphor with the reality that there will be blind eyes opening. There will be deaf ears hearing. There'll be the mute speaking. And the picture of the dried up ground. Have you seen those um, delayed film cinematography shots? Films. Films, to be sure. Um, Where in the desert it rains And then overnight, bringing up these beautiful little flowers and grasses and it changes from brown to green in a matter of three days or so. And it's just amazing. And that's the picture. Now, they understood in the Mediterranean culture, they understood that. They recognized what that meant. And God was saying he was going to pour something out from on high. And that dried up, weary place was going to be transformed. You wouldn't recognize it. That's what God wants to do with us even more. He wants to transform us by the pouring out of his Holy Spirit upon us so we are unrecognizable. We think, wow, is that the same person? Certainly from being not born again to being born again, there should be a transformation in us. So water shall burst forth in the wilderness. Have you ever seen water released in a whoosh anybody had paddling pools i know the kelly's have got a paddling pool is it still up in your garden or oh shame well i don't know whether you ever had a paddling pool as a kid and uh, my sister they've just bought one for their 21 year old um but it's huge i felt like it was a major structure but it's amazing how water actually 
forms, when it's contained, it can form a massive structure of something very flimsy. So anyway, the point I'm making is, you know, (laughs) I nearly sat on the edge of it. Good point. I didn't because it would have given way completely and I would have been totally saturated in what took three days to fill. I mean, it's a big thing. It's about this high and it must be from from here to Cathia Cross. It holds a lot of water. But when we were a kid, kids, we had a paddling pool and you could sit on the edge and the water would go. And that's how you emptied it. And it was just a, a whoosh of water, wasn't it? The bigger the paddling pool, the more the water. And I'm sure you've seen the photographs and the the film on television of the floods that we had a year or so back. And when retaining walls of rivers and riverbanks broke, it was like, whoa, look at the water. I mean, it's, it's awesome, isn't it? Totally awesome. Or when you see a dam break. I'm sure you haven't seen that, but on television, perhaps you might. And those, uh, those thunderbirds, <laughs> have you seen where they try to make it look real and it's really just a diddy little um, thing? You can tell the difference. Um, but how awesome it is and how powerful the thrust of that water. And in the worship, I'm just reminded, I had uh, this image of, of water, mighty water flowing in flood. And it was filled with flotsam and jetsam and prams and logs and trees and rubbish and all sorts. And I, I just felt like God was saying, in the fullness of my spirit, the stuff that's hung around on the banks and got caught up in your life is going to get washed out. It's going to be taken out of your life forever. It doesn't have to stay there. But the level of the water has to rise. More Holy Spirit. Yeah. So, let's turn now to another picture of water. We're going to jump a little bit further in the Bible to Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel is very different to Jeremiah. Jeremiah being the weeping prophet. Ezekiel he was on another planet. I mean, he was just weird. I mean, he was way out there. But I thank God that he wrote down some of his stuff and he had some amazing visions. And the one I want to look at is the one in chapter 47, the penultimate chapter of Ezekiel. Keeping the best till almost last. And he's having a vision of the temple. And so we pick up here in verse one. And there's a man in this vision who is um, giving him a guided tour. So then he, the man, brought me back, that's Ezekiel, to the door of the temple, and there was water, and I'm going to use the word trickling, from under the threshold of the temple, because that's what the word is. From under the threshold of the temple, toward the east, and jump down, verse 3, and then the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, and he he measured 1,000 cubits. Now, if you're not sure how much a cubit is, Go look it up, because I don't know either. It's probably around about... Any, anybody got any ideas roughly how much? Half a meter, round about. Oh, ah, excellent. It's this. Okay. Got that on camera? It's that bit. Okay. So a thousand of those. That's quite a distance, isn't it? So maybe 500 meters-ish. Depends how long your arms are. So where were we? We were coming out the east side of the temple. And he measured out a thousand cubits and he brought me through the waters. And the water came up to my ankles. Verse 4. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters. The water came up to my knees and he measured 1,000 more. 
and brought me through. And the water came up to my waist. Again, he measured 1,000. And it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep. Water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. He said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned to the bank of the river. It's a funny question, that, isn't it? <laughs> Son of man, have you seen this? I'm in it. I mean, what do you mean? Have I seen it? Yeah, I certainly have. I've experienced this. And when I returned along the bank of the river, there were many trees on one side and the other. Verse 8. Then he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region goes down into the valley and enters the sea. And when it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. Now, the sea, often in Scripture, speaks of the broadness of humanity. And that speaks to me of where the river is flowing. It's going to humanity. Okay. Keep going. Bear with me. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. Verse 9, and it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the river goes, will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there. And again, fish speaks of the harvest, speaks of the lost, those who are yet to be saved. Because these waters go there, for they will be healed and everything will live wherever the river goes. That is amazing, isn't it? The Holy Spirit is in every single one of us who've received Jesus. That river is released in us when we begin to confess Jesus as Lord. So we begin to step out in the things of God. And wherever that goes, it will bring life. Isn't that amazing? Real, true, eternal quality life. Wherever, wherever, wherever. That's just fantastic, isn't it? God is going to fill everything. All things are going to be filled. (laughs) And we're part of that journey. We're in that river, guys. Unless you don't want to go with the flow, but I suggest you do because it's fun. Okay. So, verse 9, we were at... And verse 10, it shall be that fishermen will stand by it, by the river, from Engedi to En Eglame. There will be, they will be places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be of the same kinds of the fish of the great sea, that's the Mediterranean, exceedingly many. It talks of the variety and the, just the diversity of the harvest. It's not all white middle class people who are going to get saved. It's going to be every shade and color and creed and nation and tongue and tribe who is going to come to know Jesus and to be represented in heaven before the throne of grace. Exceedingly many. Come on. There is a great harvest. Verse 11. Caution. But its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. Can draw a lot of things out of this. I want to be where the river is flowing. That paddling pool of my sister's was actually going green. They'd been away for three weeks 
and the water had things growing in it. Only after three weeks, it was perfectly pure water. But now he's got stuff in it. So I'm not getting in that. Disgusting. Plants and things. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? After three weeks. I don't want stagnant water. Now, this is a challenge to us who've been walking in the way. As Charles Simpson used to say, if you've been walking in the way 30 years, it's time you got out of the way. We can get in the way. Our routines, our practices we've become comfortable with, our knowledge of him can get in the way sometimes because, well, we know that now, don't we? So we know it. That is the enemy of what God wants to do. You've got to become like a babe every day and think, God, I don't know what to do. You've got to show me. I want to be dependent. I'm leaning on you today, God. I mean, don't, don't say throw out your learning. I'm not saying that. But there's a dependency to not rely upon history. That's history. Yesterday is history. Ten years ago is history. Yes, use it as testimony. Praise God, that's wonderful. But don't rely on it. God likes to do things fresh. Do things a new way. We, God doesn't like to be outguessed. In fact, you can't outguess him. So we need flowing water, not stagnant. It begins to stink. It's not pleasant. Mosquitoes lay their eggs in it. Not nice. It's just generally stinky, nasty, not nice place, is it? Hey? I want the river. Anybody else? Yes. There's a few of us. Who wants the river? Yes. There's a few more. Anybody else want the river? Yes. There's one more. Okay. So, I've already mentioned, water flows wherever it will. Except uphill. Unless you go to the mountains of Morn in Ireland. It's very interesting. I'm saying this for Paul's benefit. It looks like water's running uphill. It's just weird. There's this road where it looks literally as if you're driving uphill, but actually you're going downhill. It's just a trick of the eye. I don't understand it, but anyway, it's very interesting. That was for free. Okay, so water generally flows down or along. But even if it's going along, it's only going along by the power of the water behind it, or if it is a gradient and it's going down. So it goes down. It goes into valleys quite often. creates valleys. But it goes to the low places. When we're down, God wants to pour into us. God wants to pour into those in the world who are down. God wants to pour into them. And it's not just when you're down, of course. But do you know what? God uses circumstances to shape and change us. Because the hardships of life cause us to call out to God. And we find and discover his ways and more about his ways. Read Psalm 119. You'll see that as a testimony in part of that psalm. The hardship caused me to say, God, help me. Yes, son, I really want to. Now you're calling. Now I can do something. So God wants us to be continually be being filled. So really, a picture of this should be the water flowing continually and going over the edge. But I won't make a mess of this nice, cleaned floor ready for term. Otherwise, I get into trouble or ruin the wood. 
God wants us to be continually being filled. Right, jump into the New Testament. Chapter 7 of John. No prizes for guesses. No prizes for guessing where I'm going. Um, this is John 7, and at this particular point, the Feast of Tabernacles is happening. This is one of the three great Jewish feasts. And there we go. A seven or eight day feast where the Jewish people would actually live outside. They'd made these temporary little shelters so they could see the stars because it was a testament to remembering their wilderness wandering and being in the wilderness and being able to see the scars, stars at night and so on. So it was a testimony of that when it was celebrating the bringing in of the harvest. The harvest is thirsty work. Those of you who have ever been on farms in the summer, it's dusty, thirsty work. It commemorated God's goodness to them in, in the wilderness, in the desert, which was a dry and waterless place until God provided for them. And it became a tradition at this feast for the priest to pour water out. And it was understood that this was in recognition of God's mercy and faithfulness in providing the rain needed to ensure the harvest succeeded. So. I haven't read what Jesus said, have I? So maybe that was convenient. Now, if you can't see me. I'll have to do it outside and I might need somebody to hold the mic. So. Feel free to follow me. Oh, I've got a helper. Jeff could do this. Can you still hear me? Can you see me? All right, well, you need to move. You could move the camera, actually, and just turn it so you can see me through the doorway. I shall turn it away from the mic, but you can hold the mics towards me. Right, so... Jesus, as far as I'm aware, didn't do this, but he said this. He said, what did he say? Who can remember? I wish I had the words in front of me now because I'm going to say the wrong things. Um, anyway, the verse goes, on the last and the greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and in a loud voice, he said, what did he say? <laughs> Thank you. If anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. And as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Will never end, never dry out. Thank you very much. There we go. So I didn't see that. Did it look okay? Thank you, Jordan, for all that hard work. I'm now slightly wet. So try not to get it on the microphone. But this is what he said. He used symbolism to speak of a reality of the Holy Spirit that God desires for us to experience. And you know, we won't see the harvest that we long for without the work of the Holy Spirit. We need filling and the lost fish need water. The Holy Spirit must convict them of their need. The Holy Spirit is able to disturb people by awakening eternity in the hearts, which it says in Ecclesiastes. But are they going to know they're thirsty unless we pray? 
Now, just a little testimony. I'm conscious of time as well, Mark, and if you want me to try and draw it down, I will. We were away last weekend, and we did a massive journey, and we saw lots of family, and we stayed at my sister's house. And as we were driving towards there, we just decided to pray in the car. Brief prayer, but we wanted, wanted it to be a good time. They're not believers like we are in the same way. And um, so we just prayed, God, we want you to do something good and we want you to be there. We just declare a lightness of spirit. We declare you to do something, Father, and you just bless our time in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we got there a couple of hours later, I think it was, something like that. And sitting down, having a cup of tea and a chat. And all of a sudden, Craig, who I've mentioned to you before, I don't know what he just started talking about. Now then, he says, well, so you know what you believe in all that. And uh, so I've just got some questions. You know, you talk about, you know, he's coming back, isn't he? It's funny. I don't remember him using the name Jesus. I don't think he ever said Jesus. But anyway, interesting. He said, yeah, well, you know, I've had people talking to me. You know, you, you're saying he's coming back and I've just got a problem. It's like, what's going to happen? You know, you know, you've got all the Muslims and what they're doing and da da da. I mean, there's going to be a lot of, it's going to be a very tricky time, isn't it? I mean, so there follows an eschological, I can't say it, conversation, end times, eschatological, thank you. Um, went on for about half an hour and he was like, Whoa, where did this come from? I mean, it was completely spontaneous. He doesn't talk in these terms normally unless you drag it out of him. We prayed. God did something. The key thing is our role is to pray, to call on God, to overshadow. And I believe that in, we are now moving into a time where the, the spirit is getting through to people. Things are happening, but we must pray. Okay. Um, I've got more here, and I, I don't know whether I'm going to be able to, to squeeze it all in. I didn't think it was going to be that much. It was only on two pages. Maybe I've gone off on a side. Okay, so. But everything where the river flows will live. And that is what we want. The river is in us. The river can flow through us. We need more Holy Spirit. So I'm just going to give you, there was a bit extra, but I can't do it all. I'm going to give you just some pointers, and these are by no means exclusive, of how we can find more Holy Spirit in our lives. Because there's no point leaving here thinking, well, how do I do this? Speaking in tongues. Now, I'm not saying this is the be-all and end-all, but it is a powerful tool to build our spirit man up, to pray in the spirit, mysteries you don't know. I, I can hold in my mind a situation and pray in tongues over it. It will do something. You're praying the spirit over it. It's powerful. Praying tongue, tongues as you're driving home for work. I do that. It strengthens. It does good things. And you will see the benefit. Something will happen. You'll think, gosh, where did that come from? I've been praying in tongues a lot today. Uh-huh. Um, so... The next one I want to say is a big highlighter pen from heaven. Worship. In his presence, many things happen. Things that in the natural realm are impossible. Let me ask you, where do you worship when you're not at church? Can I encourage you, find a place where you can love Jesus. Tell him how thankful you are for anything and everything. Start where you are. Thank him for the breath in your lungs. 
clothes on your back, your health, your family, your friends, whatever it might be, your favorite teleprogram, anything. Just start. We enter his gates by thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Then we will discover the worship springing up. We will then begin to hear God speaking to us. Things will start to alter and change. In the depths of his presence, resolve comes to situations that we face. If the situation doesn't change, we do. And in worship, God speaks. He brings revelation, brings direction, understanding, peace. It is just a wonderful place. Third thing I want to mention is serve notice on fear. Stop allowing fear to dominate the choices and actions you take. Only let the fear of the Lord do that. And 1 John 4.18 says, perfect love drives out all fear. So get filled up afresh with love. Let him fill you. And God spoke to me yesterday and said, the fire of his love is found in worship. I thought, ooh, wow, that's good. And the fire of his love will burn up everything that isn't meant to be there. We want that. So get into that place of worship. There are so many other things. Listen to the preachers again. You can do it online. Mark very diligently put stuff on there. (laughs) Read the word. Feed on the word. Those are just a few things. And the other thing is we can pray for one another, which is what I want us to do as we close today. Ben mentioned it's a new season, and it is a new season. Uh, The Feast of Tabernacles is actually coming up. And it was like the end of harvest and the launch into the new, um, the Day of Atonement, Rosh Hashanah and the Jewish New Year, which you know I'm Jewish bias. But I believe these are God-appointed timings and we can actually learn from the seasons. Um, So it's a time now we're coming into a transition of contemplation of all that's gone before and a fresh new year coming. I know it sounds a bit crazy for our culture, but... I'll throw it in there for, for what it's all worth. So I want to pray. I want to pray for us. I want you to be encouraged. If you just want to be blessed, I really don't care. If you want to have hands laid on you, just just cause, well, come forward. But if you really feel stirred, I did say talking about speaking in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, you want to receive the gift of tongues, come forward and we will pray for you. Um, I also just want to share a word, another word that God said to me as I was preparing yesterday. Um, there are some amongst us, probably more seasoned, I would imagine, and God is saying, um, you know, you're coming to church looking for affirmation or permission um, or looking for what you need to go out into the world. And God is saying, you already have the tools you need. You know how to draw on me. You know the things to do. And he was saying it as an exhortation and an encouragement to realize who he's made you to be and to be emboldened by that. And that when you come to church, you're actually bringing something of your walk and testimony of Jesus. So in this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give 
second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we, we love. love.